0: Top of the news this evening is speculation concerning the real facts behind the Department of Health announcement about a radioactive spill supposed to have occurred yesterday at the
1: state nuclear plant. You will die only to live again in a younger body. Then you can tell me if the operation was a success.
0: I could easily kill you now, but I'm determined to have your brain.
1: You're listening to the Really Awful Movies podcast, the celebration of genre cinema.
0: The preview you are about to watch is for a movie that is unlike any you have ever seen before. It is for a movie that goes beyond temporary fear to everlasting terror. It is a movie called Demons. Yes, the demons are coming, and they're coming for you.
1: From our downtown drone headquarters, here's episode 450 of the Really Awful Movies podcast, The Sleep of Reason Gives Birth to Monsters. We're going to be revisiting demons, because why not go forward in reverse? I mean, last week we did Demons 3, The Ogre, unofficial and barely constituting a sequel to the first two Demons films which are quite amazing and quite iconic and uh, it was a pleasure to dive into the first Demons for what could be I think the probably the fifth time which is uh, pretty incredible and I recall seeing this one at my friend Aaron's place north of Toronto and uh, we had just done the usual where we just rent A bunch of different movies obviously from the corner Korean video stores and had about uh, five or six of our best uh, horror love and buds over and just watched all these things and were uh, compelled by the uh, uber violence of this one and and uh, amused, I guess, by the ADR, and of course, the crazy uh, lack of uh, sync up between the uh, mouth movements, and of course, the, you know, the, um, the Italian actors who comprise the cast, or although in this case, I think uh, some Germans as well, probably, because this is a joint German-Italian production, as am I, I guess you could say, because that's uh, my ethnicity right there. I've got a Italian pops and a German mom, so that uh, gives this one an extra bit of resonance for me as well, and uh, also, of course. Uh this one is set in Berlin, and it's, it's just right, right out of the gate, I think, as an urbanite. I think you'll really appreciate the, uh, and increasingly, I should say, actually in Toronto as well, the, as an urbanite who takes transit anywhere in the world, really, I think you'll appreciate the uh, main character uh, Cheryl's adventure and misadventure on the uh, Berlin S-Bahn. And I think he, that's increasingly relatable as... Mental health crisis has uh, really taken hold, and you could see just sort of nut jobs all over the place on public transit. And who better to be cast as the first nut job in question than? Michaela Suave, obviously, I recently did uh, Stage Fright and he of course is the mastermind behind that one and he plays this figure who wears this kind of chrome mask and uh, almost has this uh, Phantom of the Paradise type mien and uh, appears as if out of nowhere when she's going up the escalator and uh, presents Cheryl with these movie pass tickets to this uh, metropole and it, it's quite a jarring scene you don't know what to make of it because all you're really introduced to the movie is through this and then it sinks into this weirdo casio like a, a variant in a sort of a diminished riff on uh, edvard grieg's uh, peter gint uh, what is it in in the hall of the mountain king i believe it was most famously uh, co-opted for the inspector gadget a theme song that uh, k- or that uh, kids cartoon from i believe the mid 80s so it's kind of weird but uh, da, 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 but the, the beginning the the Casio is just so cool and um and it's just it's so jarring and there's just the the uh, noise of the train tracks and uh, the trains, and just uh, this uh, weird subterranean setting, and you don't know what to make of the movie. And uh, you have this uh, really neat moment when, obviously, Cheryl connects with uh, who is that masked man? Oh, I should say that she does pre- ask uh, once she, I guess, overcomes her fright to uh, get another pass. And then there's this, you know, so obviously she has a plus one for her friend. From and and then we uh, cut to this scene with her and her uh, friend from college and and they have this fun little banter as they're wandering around berlin about whether they really should be cutting class and what the professor will think but ultimately they decide to go to this this uh, thing and they speculate as to whether it's going to be a horror movie, and which is such a fun little detail. I mean, this movie is basically just front-end loaded with silly details before the uber-violence kicks in at around the 15-20 minute mark. And But yeah, the, some of these things you don't really appreciate until you have uh, multiple mute viewings of it. And, and it's not like this is the most uh, complex you know, uh, labyrinthian kind of plot. By no means, it's one of the dumber, more straightforward, more uh, you know, <laughs> easy to digest horror films ever. But uh, the the little character vignettes and the little little um, little uh, little subtleties you actually do point out, a lot of people are fans online of, uh, for instance, the uh, two Italian gents in the theater, you know, one of whom uh, bangs on the pop machine to help, uh, I guess, extract the cola. And it's almost like that bad, uh, what is it, 80s sitcom uh, Happy Days with uh, the Fonz who can make the jukebox work simply with uh, by bashing his hand on it. So you have just a multiplicity of characters who show up at this Metropole Berlin cinema, and it's just like a, a you know a Fellini-esque a smorgasbord, and a, just a motley crew of just weird people. And another thing I noticed upon this, my fourth or fifth uh, reviewing, is that the cinema seems variously packed and not packed, so it's not like, let's say, the 90s horror popcorn, where it's a full house that's gathered to uh, take in the proceedings. This one seemed to have a little bit of, uh, I guess, continuity issues, and maybe the line producer missed this one, or maybe, because it it is quite interesting and existential in a way, to have it be quasi-empty, and it adds, I think, a little bit to the horror, but then in some scenes, it's it's kind of packed, and you have uh, different characters sort of heckling the screen, and you have different... Uh, obviously disparate people uh, chattering uh, before the actual thing starts and uh, I should say as, a, as an aside uh, I've actually corresponded with uh, the two stars of this film this is obviously Lomberto Bava directed it but Goretta Goretta is a follower on Instagram and I've exchanged messages with her and met with her and uh, chatted with her for quite a bit at one of the local horror cons and I exchanged a couple messages uh, through social with Bobby Rhodes who of course plays uh, Tony the Pimp in uh, in this one and who's uh, like unbelievably Cool figure as well, just sitting there in this just awesome crisp white suit in the front row with this kind of handlebar macho mustache, and and just the the plethora of characters that populates this thing. You got Werner, the German guy who's blind, and his paramour or possibly daughter. They don't really make it explicit. Has to explain the proceedings of the film that's shown that's um, being shown in uh, at this screening. So you get this uh, truffaut esque film within a film, and this audience that's at the Metropole is watching this film with all this mumbo jumbo about all these uh, predictions, and this this uh, dusky crypt and all these uh, these teenagers I guess lurking about, and they find this mysterious. Book and um, and they have this discussion about you know what to you know what to make of it and who, who will and will not become a demon and that, that's quite uh, funny too and there's some jibber jabber about Nostradamus as well and and against this backdrop you have a mask that's hanging in the lobby of this theater that uh, Goretta Goretta's character um, I think her name's Rosemary I could be wrong but her character Uh, pricks herself with this mask and it's something that's duplicated in the uh, in this kind of uh, one-to-one relationship that's actually on screen as the people are watching this so we're watching this they're watching that and it it gives it kind of a neat meta level too and then the mask is just so iconic too and you see throughout uh, insta and social media that it's really uh, caught on with a lot of people it's really cool it's a it's really intriguing and and adds a lot of um a lot of interest and intrigue to this one. It's just super badass, and it, there's there's just so. I mean, this movie is so Italian in so many ways. Just when you look at the sheer chic stylishness of it. I mean, the the lobby of this of this uh, theater is so amazing. It looks like a maybe probably an 1880s uh, cinema, uh, and it's it's got this. Incredible motorcycle right in the front, which will play a a role later as as things proceed, as the viewer will be uh, led into this one, and it's just so cool. Then uh, between that and uh, Cheryl and her friend meeting up with these two kind of uh, suave, uh, sophisticated Italian guys who are trying to hit on them, and of course, the the resonance that comes from being a a horror fan, and of course, when your girl is uh, frightened, uh, you can. um, Comforter in your arms, and th- that scene is sort of addressed as something that I think will appeal to a lot of uh, horror viewers as well. Again, adding a kind of a meta uh, addition to this uh, kind of, well, uh, very, very dumb film, but you just got to love it. I mean, man, from the very beginning. Burm, 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 burm and we're launched into this just amazing world. And uh, when uh, Rosemary, the Garetta Goretta character, uh, turns, it's quite neat because it doesn't happen instantly, and it's kind of drawn out over several minutes as she tends to her wound, which is a little nick on the face that is actually not healing. And uh, it's really cool, and then obviously her friend goes to try and look for her in the bathroom, and presumably these are Tony the Pimp's uh, Girls of the evening, and she goes to look for her friend Rosemary, and and man, the green eyes and the and the spewing goo, I think, Greta greta has has created one of the great female horror antagonists, I think, of all time, and and it's no wonder she's a. Highly sought-after attendee of all these horror cons all over the world. I mean, she's just incredible, and this movie has just so many weird quirks, and it's so, it's so odd at the beginning, and so captivating, and. Uh, it's just having this uh, dynamic of uh, what's happening backstage, and you have this interesting, very uh, almost uh, Argento-esque scene, uh, like almost from opera, with the backstage curtains, and uh, when when things start to transpire on screen, and start to be uh, become mimicked in the actual crowd, it, it's really neat how that kind of uh, juxtaposition is brought to bear. It, it's really cool, and then obviously you have this incredible soundtrack of all this uh, period uh, metal and uh, it's something they sort of uh, in in the second uh, Demons film which is obviously set in high rise but still has that kind of very contained uh, very contained very uh, cloistered aesthetic, they have all the, you know, they, they venture into a more goth uh, 90s kind of uh, music, and it is, uh, you know, rather cheesy in a sense, because you got Motley Crue, save our souls from the heavens, or whatever it is, and, uh, yeah, and those bastards too, uh, they, they nicked us for a copyright on uh, when we posted um, our uh, trailer on Facebook, which is weird, because we actually sought out the rights for the uh, the, the dialogue from the Demon's film, from the actual uh, IP holders and the producers, but as we were later to find out, the rights holders of cinema are not the same as the IP rights holders are for, for music, and the music is obviously a lot more uh, apt to copyright strike, and there's certain artists, and you could see this with uh, YouTube reaction videos, and that there are certain artists who are notorious for just clamping down on uh, content creators, uh, particularly eagles in, in some sense and you have content creators even with like half a million subs will just say please uh don henley at al don't don't strike us as if they have any say the, the lawyers are really out to get people and that's probably the case with warner music and uh hell i'll probably get nailed now with it and and uh, motley crew or uh, Motley crew with the uh the german umlauts there speaking of germany but uh yeah, the violence gets going, this thing's super gory, there's so many awesome practical effects, you know, it's, it's so silly, it's so loud, it's so stupid, and you can't help but appreciate the melding and the meshing of the, this very dumb 80s hard rock music with what's going on on screen, because it is really cool, and it's just really awesome, and the, and and speaking of cloistered and being uh, trapped like being stuck in a theater and is is a really neat uh, idea and i think it's executed very very well and this this is such a just a just a very, very uh, crazy and uh, silly and, and I think gateway drug in in, in many respects to Italian cinema, uh, probably playing a close second to Suspiria, which has broader considerations more popularly uh, amongst the horror uh, throngs than uh, just by virtue of its uh, more iconic nature, I would say. But I think for a certain subset of people, this one really takes on something. And hell, uh, it, it goes without saying that, that this very podcast is peppered with uh, with demons uh, references both in our opening bumper but also in the artwork we've used and uh, Mark Thibodeau our artist actually drew uh, some demons he's the guy who actually uh, did some of the artwork for uh, Death by Umbrella the first book uh, I uh, wrote about in the the cinema space co-wrote with Jeff Kirshner it's uh, he he did some uh, really cool illustrations and it was really impactful for us to see uh, Bobby Rhodes as Tony the pimp coming up those stairs and it's just such a neat shot so it's, it's like almost uh, got a kind of a zombie movie aesthetic there as, and it's just the, the way it's backlit everything about it is so cool and a little did we realize that at the time anyway that uh, it could possibly be construed that there were three hosts on the show so it kind of did work when we would have the occasional guest and Jeff and I podcasting but it, in retrospect we probably should have kept a hero image of just Bobby Rhodes as, as Tony the Pimp and uh, you know Obviously, his long nails, but we just like the sort of imagery of having uh, them instead of just climbing up the stairs. Our, uh, our buddy Mark actually drew this with uh, them with their arms across cinema seats, so it gives it a, a bit of a Siskel and Ebert type feel from the balcony. And That was a, such an iconic show, and it's something that I think the the shadow that uh, Ebe casts is uh, one. I mean, you can't help but, uh, you know, you we're so indebted to him as film critics, it's almost impossible too. I mean, it's impo- impossible to best him or better him, like in terms of the sheer brevity and ability to just concisely break down a film. It's it's tough to beat, and it really is an art form to be able to take a movie down or or elevate it in five hundred words. Because it's easy in in uh, in reality to blather on and and um, go on for thousands and thousands of words, but to be concise and uh, to the point is really a lot more challenging. And I think. I mean, in the um, in the novelist space, I think a short story would uh, definitely be more challenging than uh, uh, you know uh, some historical epic or something. But anyway, I digress. This one had such a formative uh, impact on me, and continues to do so. I think it is superior to the second one. And uh, Lombardo Bava has given us other things like the blade, the uh, blade in the dark, and various other. I mean, I I really dig his movies, and I think he's got four solid efforts that can uh, really uh, stand apart and uh, make, you know, he's made a strong claim in the horror space for producing something really cool and Demons is just so awesome and so so over the top and so wild. I mean, the motorcycle and the, I think swordplay comes into it later and the mask, the silver mask is so iconic and I really love the movie within a movie too and, you know, it has a very almost a giallo-esque feel with the, the knife blade shining and the, the dusky crypt and uh, just like the skulking around and the dark darkness and the shadows and chiaroscuro is really incredible and I think you could very well make a movie out of that fake movie and have it be very very compelling maybe you'd uh you have to reboot the uh, Nostradamus, but it's written in the book, uh, dialogue, and uh, and and all this kind of stuff. It's uh, really, really very silly, but also uh, amazing. And I just love the dynamic of having an audience watch a horror film, and amidst the snickers and the and the shocks and that kind of experience that can only come from uh, physically seeing a horror film in cinema. And uh, it's it really is very, very different. The jump scares really are maximized when you have uh, heavy-duty speakers going on and you can really feel the frights and the uh, in the ingestion of air and the sucking in of the, and then the laughter that comes right after a big scare as a kind of attention release that's uh, always there and uh, something that's so appreciated when you have a chance to go actually uh, take in a horror film in the theater. It's just uh, nothing compares to it. And uh, nothing compares to this in terms of uh, formative films. For me, it's basically down to this one, uh, maybe Dr. Butcher, M.D., Night of the Living Dead, and, of course, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Those are really the ones that got me into this. And uh, it's uh, horror-adjacent. You could say Murder by Decree, the Christopher Plummer, Jack the Ripper film that really scared the bejesus out of me. But Demons, man, you've got to love it. I mean, I, I just hold it in the highest possible esteem and uh, regard. It's it's so badass. It's almost impossible to give it a star rating, probably a four here. Uh, keep this podcast short. Coming back to you next Friday. Talk to you soon. Take care.